You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast in the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host with you here as always, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we talk about Adam Gaze and the nightmare that is the 2017 season. There's been a lot of talk about Adam Gaze on Twitter, social media, anywhere you can find a lot of fans upset with him and the way he's handled this season. What are some of the things that can be explained, and what are some things that he should be held accountable for? Also, Jay Cutler in the concussion protocol ahead of Sunday's game against the New England Patriots. Will he set up again for Miami this season? We talk about that and much, much more. But first, I got to tell you guys about mybookie.ag. If you are a regular listener to the show or you follow me on Twitter, you know that I'm something of a degenerate gambler when it comes to betting on football. And I get asked about my advice all the time. But one thing I always tell people is that what is just as important as who you're betting on is where you're betting through. And that's why I tell everyone to go to mybookie.ag. They have been in business for years and their reputation is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses. So off the bat, you're making money for doing absolutely nothing. And they have the fastest payouts. It's just two business days, unheard of in the industry. You know who's going to win the big game. So lay some cash down and win big today at mybookie.ag. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now and mybookie will match your deposit with up to 100% bonus. Use promo code Locked On to activate that offer. That's mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. And they asked me to give you guys a pick every week. Last week, I went with the over in the University of Washington versus University of Utah football game. It was 46 and a half. The game popped early in the third quarter or late in the third quarter, I should say. So you're welcome for that win. And my pick this week, we're going back to the Pac-12, back to the Pacific Northwest where I hail from. And we're going to go ahead and give you the Washington State Cougars getting nine points in Seattle against the University of Washington Huskies. The Apple Cup is going to be a tight football game. The Cougars are going to come out and win at the end of the game, but getting nine points in this game is a very big bonus for the better. So take the Washington State Cougars plus nine points at mybookie.ag today. All right, let's go ahead and jump right into the meat of today's episode and talk a little bit about Adam Gaze. It's something that I haven't really talked about much, and I I was kind of struggling for ideas for the show because I didn't want to give you guys a stat recap of the Buccaneers game. I don't think anyone really cares about that. We'll go over stats later in the season and kind of take a cumulative approach to that rather than going game by game. I just don't think anyone cares anymore at this point. We're we're really more focused towards 2018 and talking about these, you know, marginal effort games against teams like the Buccaneers or this weekend when we get smacked with the Patriots on Sunday. I don't think anyone's going to really want to hear about that stuff. So I'll talk to you guys about some more relevant issues in terms of something you might want to hear about. I think Adam Gates is something that I've kind of stayed away from just because I don't put a lot of stock into this season because of all the things that have gone against him. But that's not to say that he's completely free of blame because he's had certain certainly had a few things that just haven't quite gone the way he had hoped. Obviously, the fans are upset about the JHI trade, but let's go ahead and start with some of his faults that I went ahead and wrote down and pointed out here. And there's three players that he has stuck with and, and really had their side. And I think that's kind of how he has gained the moniker of a player's coach or that that uh, re- reputation as a player's coach. And it's because he's stuck with guys like Jay Cutler, Julius Thomas and Jermon Bushrod. As far as Cutler goes, we saw how bad he was on Sunday against the Buccaneers. The three interceptions, I would say one for sure was his fault. I think the first one was probably his fault too. So I'd give him blame for two of the three picks. The third one was off Devontae Parker's hands. But if the Dolphins start Matt Moore in that game, they are currently 5-5 five and five and still kind of holding their head above water for a playoff chase. I don't think that really is that big of a deal because even if they get to the playoffs, I've talked about it, they're going to get smoked anyway. So I don't really care about it this year. We broke the drought last year, so that's good. But... Sticking by Jay Cutler, despite all of his deficiencies, despite what appears to be a lack of of really caring or effort, I should say, 
it just doesn't seem like he's really all the way into it. And there's obviously more that goes on behind the scenes that we will ever know about. But I just can't fathom why you would stay by him. I think that there's a reason for that, and I'll get to that here in a minute. But Julius Thomas and Jermon Bushrod, two more guys that I just can't quite fathom the point there. He had both players in his past with uh, Thomas in Denver and Bushrod in Chicago. Bushrod a tackle in Chicago, coming over to the Dolphins last year, playing right guard for the first time in his career. I don't even know if he played right guard in high school or whenever it was, because he didn't play it in college, he didn't play it in the NFL. So first time playing guard at a, as a professional or as a, like a big-time athlete. So his struggles are well noted, and, and Gaze continues to stick by him, despite the fact that Jesse Davis has kind of had some good games in relief of Anthony Steen when they kind of were doing the platoon with those two guys at left guard. You have Isaac Asiata, who I think is just a really raw product that you're going to have to develop. So I can understand having a red shirt on him for the year, but there's got to be someone else you could have put in there at right guard for Bushrod. Thomas has just been a tire fire for the most part of the year. He's had a couple of nice games lately, but still doesn't really give a whole lot of effort in the running game, and he's been a marginal receiver at best in the passing game too. So sticking by those three guys, kind of weird. Another thing is sticking with the screen game. I know this has been a, a big point of contention on Twitter. I read about it every single Sunday. And it, you know you go back to their 2014 season with Denver when he had Emmanuel Sanders and Wes Welker and Demarius Thomas and those screenplays that he runs all the time here in Miami. It's, it's just an extension of the running game. It's, it's up to the quarterback to get to the line of scrimmage, count the numbers in the box, find out the coverage, and he, he's going to make a call at the line of scrimmage or a check at the line of scrimmage. And that's kind of where I think that some of that pl- blame is misplaced on Adam Gaze in terms of, you know, how, why is he running these screenplays? It's kind of a quarterback call at the line of scrimmage. He gives him a couple of plays in the huddle, and then he goes to the line of scrimmage and finds out his numbers, and it makes the call from there. So direct more of that hate to Jay Cutler if you want to do that, because I think that his lack of preparation kind of leads into that a little bit. But Gaze kind of keeping that in the option or in the fold for this offense is a red flag on him because the the personnel is just not good enough to run that play or that formation. And Kenny Stills, if there's if he's on one side of the formation, the screen goes to that side of the play, it's going to be a blown up play. He can't block it. He holds half the time. If he does get a block, he's holding. And when he makes the catch on the play, if he's the tar- intended target, he doesn't really break any tackles. So what's the point of running that play? I think their best screenplay was the game, the one they ran on Sunday against the Buccaneers where Landry picked up six or seven yards and then he fumbles the football. So even when it works, it's not working. So just kind of scrap that screen game, or at least the way you're doing it. I talked about it a few weeks ago on the podcast, how I want to put more Anthony Fasano or Marquise Gray out on the flexed out wide. So you can kind of have an opportunity to block those guys when they're getting in there rather than having Devonte Parker's, you know, charm and soft play out there trying to block or Kenny Stills in the same way. So scrap that screen game, at least the version you run right now. And then the last thing I wrote down is the penalties. It's a little bit of both on the players and the coaching staff. I mean, I don't really know what you can do to get a guy to stay on sides or, or to, you know, not false start or whatever it is, or is Avian Howard to not let him get grabby on the pass interference calls, but you know, it's a sign of an undisciplined team. And so that's something that you have to point back to the coach, at least a little bit, but the things that are not to blame, these are things I wrote down that might get me a little bit of hot water with Dolphins fans, but whatever. I, I don't, I just don't think that you can always go back to the coach. There's, there's always layers. There's always, you know, behind the scenes stuff. You don't really know what's going on. So not that I have to recount all the things that went wrong with this team, for the 2017 season and what they've all been through, but I will real quickly, the Hurricane Hurricane Irma, the Lawrence Timmons fiasco where he just kind of goes AWOL down in Los Angeles, no bye week for 16 consecutive games, Chris Forster's cocaine mishap and texting an escort and all that good stuff that, we, that came with that. The training camp injuries, obviously Ryan Tannehill, Tony Lippett, Ted Larson, some of that stuff, Rayquan McMillan didn't go so well. Tannehill, the big one, we'll get to that here in a minute. And then I, Jay Ajayi being a malcontent. And then Ray Maluga last week getting himself arrested for not wanting to pay a $40 bar tab. Just pretty crazy. But it's this, it just seems like the perfect storm 
of crap that he had to deal with this year. It's just one of those years where everything kind of went against him. And you can look at some other teams in the past that have had this similar type of thing where it's just like, okay, what next? What else can go wrong? And it just, it happens sometimes. And sometimes a year can be a wash. That's what happens when you have a season that only goes 16 games. You have 16 chances to prove yourself on the stage. And if you have all these problems, it goes wrong a few times your season's all of a sudden over. I mean, how many games do you afford to lose in the, can you afford to lose in the NFL? It's not that many. So the Dolphins have these tough circumstances. They fight through it for the first month and a half of the season. It looks really good at four and two, even though the point differential is bad and all that stuff. Everyone hates the Dolphins, but at least they were winning games. And now you've lost four in a row. And now everything kind of seems to pile up on this team and three in prime time. And everyone's just kind of ashamed of this team right now. So sometimes lost years happen and there's just not a lot you can say about it. And that, that people want to put signing Jay Cutler on Adam Gaze too. And I've obviously been the, one of the biggest harsh critics of Jay Cutler this year. But I, I, I've, I've seen people say that, you know, signing Jay Cutler was a, a, a red flag on Adam Gaze's, on his resume. And I just don't see it that way. And here's why I don't see it that way. Because their option was to go with Jay Cutler or Matt Moore. I think we can talk about Colin Kaepernick until we're blue in the face, but I don't think anyone was ever going to sign him this year across the entire NFL. Whether or not that's right or wrong, we're not going to get into that, but that's just what it is. So you had to choose between Jay Cutler and Matt Moore. And Matt Moore has never played more than 11 games in a single season. He's been knocked out of a season twice down in Carolina. Over the last five years of Miami, he only played the three games last year. He didn't play from 2012 to 2015. So you're expecting a guy that has not played, who's been conditioned as a backup, and you kind of have to wonder, maybe there was something in his contract, or maybe there's something that they had an agreement on where, hey, listen, if something were to happen to Ryan, we have to make a move to get a starter, or, you know, whatever the case may be, Matt Moore is not going to be relied upon to be the main guy for 16 games going into the season. So I just wonder if something like that came about, came about, and, you know, Cutler, or Gaze rather, went to someone that he knew in Jay Cutler, and it's a bad signing because, to me, in my opinion, he was never going to be ready for the season because he was retired in his mind, he wasn't working out, he joked about being out of cardiovascular shape, which he probably was being honest about. I don't think he was out there working out when he was out with Kristen Cavallari, the babe of all babes, out on the beach, and I doubt he's doing arm curls while he's doing that or jogging on the beach. He's probably enjoying himself in retirement. He earned it, you know, four years of college football and then 11 years in the NFL, he earned that right to do that, so good for him, but to come back to the Dolphins... I just don't know what Adam Gaze is supposed to do. You look at these teams across the league that have lost their starting quarterback. The Houston Texans are 1-3 with Tom Savage under the under center, and their one win came against a Drew Stanton-led Arizona Cardinals team. That same Arizona Cardinals team is 1-3 with Drew Stanton under center, their backup quarterback, and their win came against a C.J. Beathard-led 49ers team that was winless at that time. The Colts, without Andrew Luck, 3-7 and on the season. The Raiders lose Derek Carr for a game and a half, and they go 0-2 in those two games. The Packers, without Aaron Rodgers, 1-4 with Brett Hundley beating the, a pretty bad Chicago Bears team. The only team that had success after losing their starting quarterback was the Minnesota Vikings playing with what appears to be one of the league's best defenses in Case Keenum playing pretty well so far in the season. So they had the pieces around him to mitigate that problem. And then Case Keenum being the reliable ba- veteran backup that he is, you know, comes in and plays well enough to win those games. So there's no team in the NFL right now besides the Vikings. They are the, the exception. So one out of six teams that lost their starting quarterback, their their seasons are ruined. So the Dolphins fall right into that category. I told you guys that ahead of the season. I told you that because of Tannehill going or because of no Tannehill and going to Jay Cutler, this went from a 10-11 win team to an eight-win team. I probably oversold that quite a bit with all these things going on. I probably would have had Tannehill lead them to eight wins. And now with Cutler, it's probably more like five or six wins. So there was a, good, a difference there. There was a big gap there, and the season, you know, you can't blame it all on Gaze. He just did what he could do the best to mitigate all these problems surrounding this team, so you can't blame him on that, but you can't blame him for sticking with Jay Cutler, 
and some of the other guys on the team. And then the last part I want to talk about was the play calling. And I just, I, you know, I, I can understand if there is an educated version of the play calling complaints. If you have a really good understanding of offensive concepts and philosophies and what coverages look like and what they dictate you do on offense. But how many of you guys and out there on the Twitterverse really know what an offense runs or, or what it looks like or what it's supposed to do operationally? Because if you know that, then you can see some good play calls as well. What a play caller is supposed to do is set up things throughout the course of the game that sets up other plays so that you can run off those variations. And you're also supposed to be able to make in-game adjustments where you can see a certain thing and say, hey, I got a side adjustment over here on the receiver. I'm going to go ahead and run this hitch route instead of the stop and go or whatever it is you can notice in-game. That's something he has to work with his players. You have to get a feel for it. You have to get a rhythm. And you have to kind of it's almost a gamble at times too. I mean, Pete Carroll gets roasted for the bad Monday night play call where he calls a fake field goal with seven seconds to go in the first half. And if you look at the film, that play is blocked up very well. Just one guy, Grady Jarrett, a potential Super Bowl MVP. If the Falcons hold on to a win, he makes a great play. Just a guy goes out and makes a play. So you have to expect guys to execute and the Dolphins have not been able to execute. The quarterback play has been terrible. Offensive line play has been not great. Running back play when J.H.I. here was not very good. I mean, let's just face it. It wasn't good. He wasn't as good as he was last year. Receiver play hasn't been up to snuff. I mean, what is he supposed to do? I mean, I, I saw some complaints about him running the ball on third and long and just kind of accepting the phase of punt. But then Jay Cutler goes out in third and seven on the Bucks game and throws a pick that gets ran back to the 10-yard line and leads to a touchdown. So what is he supposed to do? The personnel is bad. It's just been a bad year. Just let, let's just wash this year away. We'll go back to kind of square one because he got the free pass this year with the playoff berth last year. He was fantastic. He was a coach of the year candidate last year. This year, it just doesn't work out at all. And let's go ahead and just hit the reset button, go into 2018 with Adam Gaze with a fresh slate and call it good. All right, this is the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, at Wingfield NFL, at Locked On Fans. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all your written content needs for the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to have a piece this week about some draftable prospects, as well as continuing that throughout the course of the next month and a half or so, and all the way leading up to April, you know, the Senior Bowl and the Combine, all that good stuff. But this, for now, is just watching some college tape and kind of giving you guys a thought about what the Dolphins could do in the draft. We're going to talk about that a lot more on next, or excuse me, on tomorrow's show, on Wednesday's show. But this is the Locked On Dolphins podcast. All right, going back into that last segment, talking about Jay Cutler here a little bit before we get out of here for the show today. I just kind of want to talk about whether or not this guy is going to play a game for the Dolphins. And we we all saw what Adam Gay said in the press saying that if Jay Cutler is healthy and available, he is the starting quarterback. And that kind of goes back into the Matt Moore thing I talked about late earlier in the show, saying that maybe if Cutler's available, Matt Moore doesn't want to play. I mean, he looks fired up when he comes into the field, but I, I just I have to find a, an a reasonable explanation for that. And I just cannot say that Jake, that Adam Gaze is sitting there looking at the film and saying, yeah, this is, this guy's doing what we need him to do. He's smarter than that guys. Don't think that we're going to outsmart Adam Gaze. He's been called the smartest person that Peyton Manning knows by Peyton Manning's own admission. John Elway said he wished he had played for him. I mean, he has the admiration of all these guys across the league. Nick Saban has great things to say about him. He grew up in the Nick Saban coaching tree. So it just don't outthink it really is, I guess is the best way to put it because Adam Gaze is a very smart football man, smarter than myself, any of you guys listening, anyone on Twitter, all combined. He knows more about football than any of us ever will. And he didn't just forget how to call plays. He didn't forget how to run an offense. It's just, it's been a bad year. And I just hope people can understand that. And Jay Cutler, on the other hand, appears he's going to be the starter and ride the string out. Maybe he feels he has to give you know, Stephen Roth has money's worth and, and just playing out the string with Jay Cutler because it's not going to be any better anyway with Matt Moore. We're not going to win more games or maybe we'll win one or, one or two more games. Won't make a difference in the grand scheme of things. We saw how Matt Moore played in the playoffs last year. How'd that work out? So I, it's just, there's a number of things that 
it's just not gonna it's not gonna change. And Cutler's gonna be the guy, and this is gonna be a lost year, and that's how the, that's how it was always going to be. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get out of here for the show today. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating review on Apple Podcast. Check out the other Locked On Sports podcast, the Locked On Heat and Locked On NFL podcast for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WingfulNFL and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Be back tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.